if you're not aware, like the singing carols on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and singing about Jesus' birth, that's nothing new. That's been happening since his birth was announced, um, that when the angels were singing. And so in the Gospel of Luke, there are four songs that are sung around the birth of Jesus. Mary sings her song about the king that is to come and her child that is to come when she visits her cousin, her relative, Elizabeth. Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, sings. He can't, that is my favorite story because it's a, it's a cautionary tale for, for pastors. Because if you're, if you're not going to, if you doubt God, he'll make you not be able to preach for a while. And that happened to Zechariah um, until his son, John the Baptist, was born. And his first thing he did was burst out in song about what was to come. And then we heard last night the angels singing to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest. And then also when Jesus is, um, is brought and to, the, to the temple to be, um, to be shared with God, he, Simeon, who's been waiting for him his whole life, sings a song of joy. And so what we thought we'd do today is share with us, share with you, those scriptures, those four scriptures as we work through um, Christ's birth. And then we've, there's a great resource. It's Good News of Great Joy. It's a series of devotions. Anyone here read The Upper Room? Some of us. It's a series of devotions that were put out by The Upper Room about those four songs. So we thought we'd share with you a couple of those and sing our way through the songs of Luke. So we can seat it and sing. about her daily routine in an obscure Galilean village. A priest performs his duties in the Jerusalem temple. Shepherds keep their sheep in fields outside of Bethlehem. An aging prophet scans the crowds in the temple precinct. All are greeted with news of God's appearance. Their lives are all changed by their response to this news. Responses placed into little songs that still beckon the voice of God's faithful. Hope from Luke chapter 1 verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, or sang, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful 
of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Placing Mary's song on our lips remind us that we are to carry God's message into the world also. Hopefully, God's promises come to life within us in a way that brings God's presence to others. We have the responsibility of nurturing God's word within us like an expectant mother's body nourishes new life within. Perhaps this is why the Eastern Church has traditionally used Mary's song at morning prayer to welcome the new day with the possibility of carrying God's word into the world. When Mary sings, Caesar is still emperor and Herod is king over the land. God's leveling is not complete. Mary starts singing amidst the birth pangs of God's kingdom. When we join Mary's singing, we join God's work in the world. We do not lose heart, nor do we sit passively waiting because God's kingdom is not complete. Singing Mary's song stirs up our faith, causes us to tap our feet to God's rhythm. We hasten to spread the good news of God's coming. One way that we can help God's word grow within us is to ponder God's promises. Like Mary pondered the angel's greeting. An excellent place to start is with the song of Mary. Meditate on these words. Read them again and again. Question the meaning of each term like Mary questioned Gabriel. 
contemplate the words and what they could mean in your life. What would it mean to take Mary's words to heart? Marvel at the possibilities. Question the way that Mary questioned the angel. How can this be? Like Mary, we ponder the mystery of God at work in and through us. Then we go forth singing, participating in God's salvation. Luke 1, 67 through 79. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hands of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Luke introduces Zechariah and his wife as a righteous couple. They are pious, observing all the commandments. Both are from the priestly lineage. They've been married for a long time and are getting old, but they have no child. Perhaps this is why Luke begins the introduction by saying they were both righteous. At that time, many thought infertility was a sign of disfavor from God. Luke says that is not the case here. There is tension in the first few lines of this story. Traditional interpretation doesn't fit the context of this couple. There's a different beat here. So perhaps this is a good place to pause and remind ourselves that Advent and Christmas can be difficult for many families. The stories of miraculous births can be challenging for those who have longed for children and cannot conceive, 
who've lost children, who've miscarried. We need to be careful in hearing and telling these stories. Not all righteous couples have children. Some choose not to have children. Others choose to adopt. The birth of children is not a matter of how hard you pray. Despite all of our medical knowledge, all births still carry an element of mystery and the miraculous. This is a good season to include in our prayers petitions for those who have lost children, long for children. The story of Elizabeth and Zechariah sounds familiar to those who know the rhythms of the Old Testament. We fall into the recognized beat of Abraham and Sarah, Jacob and Rachel, Elkanah and Hannah. Isaac was born to the aged Abraham and Sarah. And after her sister had already birthed several sons to Jacob, Rachel finally gives birth to Joseph and later to Benjamin. Samuel is born to Hannah after being ridiculed by Elkanah's other wife, Peninnah. Parents long for children. God intervenes. A son is born. The family line continues. But there's a twist in the promise of God's intervention here. The purpose of this child to be born to Zechariah and Elizabeth is not just to continue the family tree. John has a mission to prepare the way for one even greater, to herald the coming of the Lord. And in the promise of John's birth, Gabriel already described him as the Elijah-like prophet, pointing beyond himself to one greater. John's birth is an anticipation of God doing an even greater miracle. As joyous as this birth is, don't be content. There is more coming. The Annunciation only builds our anticipation. Chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angel's sudden appearance is hard to miss. When the angel appears, the glory of the Lord enfolds the shepherds and the angel. In the Bible, glory denotes God's presence. Being in God's presence, being exposed to God's glory, changes us. In Exodus, after Moses spent 40 days on Mount Sinai, in God's presence, he descends with a face so bright, he has to wear a veil. Isaiah is purified and able to begin his prophetic ministry after seeing a vision of God's glory. When the glory of the Lord appears, things change. Angels 
are messengers from God, God's ambassadors. This angel is a counterpart to the heralds that would have proclaimed a decree from Augustus. When he speaks to the shepherds, his message is like a divine proclamation. Fear not, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. Today, a Savior has been born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. A decree went out from God to all the world that a Savior is not born in Rome, but in a tiny, overcrowded Judean village. This decree of the angel counters the edict from Augustus. Augustus' proclamation brought upheaval and violence to the land of Judea. The angel's appearance and brings good news of a new world order. A very different kind of Savior is born. One who brings a very different kind of peace. This peace sets heaven and earth to singing joyfully about God's comforting presence on earth. Love, from Luke 2, 28 through 32. Simeon took him in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Taking up the child, Jesus, in his arm, frees Simeon to praise God. Holding God's peace sets us free from our fears and our compulsions. God's peace is freedom for as much as freedom for as much as freedom from. It is freedom for true praise to God and freedom from our sins. It's freedom for loving one another and freedom from our hostility toward others. God's peace also frees us to join God's work in the world. Perhaps sometimes we feel like we can't sing Simeon's song because we are not sure salvation things are happening in the world today. That may be, though, the very reason to sing this song. As Simeon studied and meditated on God's promises of Scripture to discern the signs of God's fulfillment in his day, his song sets our lives to the rhythm of God's promises, reminding us what we should be looking for in our day. When do we see such signs of God's presence among us? And when we see them, how can we keep from singing? Often, it is a song that bubbles up from the deep resources of our faith, turning our lives 
to the rhythm of God's promises. from John chapter 1. I wonder if this is God's song, the song of Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Amen. 